0: The mind by nature is radiant and pure, the Buddha said. It is shining. It is because of visiting forces known as the torments or the defilements that we suffer. It is because of visiting forces known as defilements that we suffer. When we hear the Buddha say something as definitive as this, and then we kind of review our own day and the kinds of suffering that we've experienced today, impatience, sleepiness, frustration, disappointment, anxiety, you can list your own. We should inquire what we as yogis should do what is our job in relation to these visiting forces known as defilements so tonight i want to speak about the defilements in light of the uh, three yogi jobs that i spoke about the other night and the first of the yogi job is to hear and understand what the right view of these defilements are. Now, doesn't it seem like, you know, when you're practicing and you meet some challenge or some obstacle in your practice and you get entangled in doubt or frustration, doesn't it seem like that's kind of like a a part of you, like somehow it's deep within you to just be frustrated like that, rather than just, oh, it's just a temporary visiting force in the mind. It feels like it's more like rooted in there, but that's just a wrong view. Okay, so I want to speak about how to understand these defilements in a way that we can work with them more skillfully. So what, what are these defilements, just, just to remind you? <laughs> they are habitual, reactive states of mind to experience that we're mostly unconscious or unaware of. Thoughts, feelings. Moods, attitudes, assumptions, all kinds of mental activity that is conditioned by unawareness. And because of that, we get entranced, we get entrained, we get enchanted into some narrative about ourselves, about practice, about the future, the past, anything that we're thinking about. And it's like we're hallucinating some fantasy. And it happens a lot. But these defilements, or these tormenting states of mind, are always accompanied by the restless mind. And the restless mind, let me just clarify for you, is not just the speed at which the mind knows and does things. The restless mind is thinking without being aware of it. It's always fueled by restlessness and the defilements, the tormenting states of mind are always accompanied by delusion or ignorance. Now, ignorance in the mind causes us to not know what is going on. It is awareness that shows us or tells us, reveals to us what is going on. Think about this for a minute. Did you have the experience today of waking up out of a wandering train of thought right? during which time you didn't know anything about it. The mind wanders off it's off la-la land, it's thinking, it's planning, it's doing this, it's remembering, it's doing whatever doing and while it's happening you don't know anything about it. You don't know that you're a yogi, you don't know that you're sitting, you don't know that you're alive, you don't know what the content is, you don't know how long it's been going on, you don't, you don't know anything That is really being ignorant, ignoring what is going on. It sounds almost impossible, doesn't it? How how can that happen? We're even trying to be aware. (laughs) And still, it happens endless number of times a day. That's how powerful these defilements are because all of these defilements are accompanied by ignorance. That should scare the bejesus out of us, (laughs) because it's what causes us to suffer. Okay, But sometimes it's not ignorance that accompanies the defilements, but instead it's delusion. Delusion is a little smarter than ignorance, but not much. It knows what's going on, but it knows it wrongly. (laughs) Delusion knows, oh, there's a story going on, but it attributes characteristics, value, importance, significance to the story that is unjustified. For example, you look at something, you look at someone, and for some reason, you don't know yet why, you don't like them. Their behavior, the way they look, the clothes they wear, something, you don't like them. So you're averse averse to them. You have some aversion, disliking. When disliking arises in the mind, it makes the mind only see that which is unpleasant in what you're looking at. Even though later you might look at the same thing and see how all its pleasant characteristics, but when aversion is in the mind, you see the object, the person, the tree, the lunch, whatever it is, you see it, but you misunderstand it. You don't see it correctly. You see only the negative, the unpleasant aspects of it. This is what delusion does. Now, unfortunately, you know, when you fall in love, love is just the mind inflamed with attachment. And of course, when attachment arises in the mind, all you see is the pleasant aspect of whatever it is you're looking at. Your beloved. So you look at your beloved, and you're inflamed with attachment, and you say, wow, where'd you come from? You're perfect. (laughs) It's like, thank you. Okay. And a couple weeks later, when the dark side of the moon rises and aversion enters your mind, you look at the same person, you say, what happened to you? Nothing happened to them. Your mind changed. Now aversion is in the mind, and all you see is the unpleasant character, all their warts and whatever, of the person that formerly was the beloved when the mind was inflamed with attachment. Now, I'm not, I, don't, I don't have to convince you of that, do I? You've all had this experience at one time or another. And so we, we see, we know. We know that this is what delusion does. We've seen it happen over and over again. But we're fooled by it every time. We haven't really learned yet. And while we may know it, we have seen it, and we've seen it again and again, we still fall for it. That's how powerful delusion, ignorance, attachment, and aversion are we, in our puny little intention and aspiration, I mean, not puny, I mean, it can be pretty... barely able to confront the defilements. So we should have some humble respect for the power of the defilements, but persist in our efforts and our aspiration to work with them, to deal with them. Normally, the defilements or these states of mind are so habitual and they arise so often that they're unseen. And they appear to be who we are, not just as a visitor to the mind. And so, in my own situation, I was not born with the patience gene. and. <laughs> It has been a lifelong practice to be a little bit patient. And so it's easy for me to say, when impatient, it's not only I'm impatient now, I'm an impatient person. I've always been an impatient person. And, and in doing that, in, in believing that about myself, I make it kind of an essential ingredient of who I am. It becomes a personality trait. And all of us can, if you have any self-reflective honest, self honesty, know your personality traits. And it's just a catalog of the defilements that are most active in your life, that you're most blind to or most reliant on as strategies for navigating the difficulties of life. But When we're identified with them as me or who I am, or when we appropriate them as mine, this is my anger, my fear, my depression, we don't have access to the fullness of the life that's available to us. Just take fear, for example. Fear is a form of aversion. It is a resistance to the way things are. It's a closing down. Fear will cripple you from living the fullness of your human life because we're so afraid to open up, afraid to express ourselves, afraid to feel pain, afraid to... And so we cut off, limit what we will do, what we'll say, what we'll express. And in the process, we just live a partial human life. Nobody's making you do that. Nobody's making you live a very proscribed, narrow slice of what's possible. It's the defilements. It's the uh, aversion in this case, the fear in this case, the delusion, the ignorance that is doing that. us and so there's ample reason right there to invest as much understanding as much energy as much resolve as we can to seeing these observing these learning how to understand these states of mind because to the extent that we do we gain our life back. That's, that's a pretty significant reward or result of whatever work we do. However, we should understand that these defilements are not other than the Dharma. They arise due to causes and conditions. And when those causes and conditions are present, the defilement will arise. It's not your fault. It is because the causes and conditions are there. They are natural phenomena. They're not abnormal. They're not accidental. They're not irregular. They're very predictable once you understand them. So they can be known through awareness. And as you've been practicing today, no doubt you have seen some of these states of mind any you feel miserable. Just take a look. <laughs> Whatever you feel, you're struggling, you feel frustrated, you feel disappointed, you feel empty, you feel sleepy, you feel you know, anxious or fretful. You can be sure there's a tormented state of mind present. Just take a look. Who's to stop you? but it's hard isn't it it's hard partly because they are so familiar we take them for granted we give them all the airtime they want and we think that we can't do anything about it we feel victimized by them it's well we are victimized by them but we give them permission to do that if they can be known by awareness they can be understood by wisdom And it is the understanding of the defilements, how they arise, how they work, what trips them up, how to overcome them. It is understanding the (coughs) defilements that frees you from their grip, that frees the mind from their grip. And so our efforts in practice, when we confront or are assaulted by one of these tormenting states of mind is to engage them, to really be aware of them in order to understand them rather than just try to get rid of them. It's easy to get rid of a defiled or tormenting state of mind. Get up, go to the dining room and eat something. (laughs) Hey, forget about that depression. Forget about that fear. Avoid, deny, minimize. They're effective, immediate strategies for getting rid of the defilement. But they don't give you any understanding, and it only strengthens the defilement to do that. They only get stronger. We feed defilements by neglecting them but by paying attention to them we confront them we begin to understand them they can't they cannot sustain themselves without unawareness so awareness is take, takes away their life force really and while it is difficult and it's painful and it's challenging and it's not and mostly it's not very pleasant to confront the defilements and the hindrances, the torments. Just think about how much you have suffered at their hands over the course of a day, let alone 20, 30, 40 years. It doesn't take that long to confront them, deal with them, and learn about them. But it does take some persistence. It's important to understand just how bad, bad in the sense of painful um, these tormenting states of mind are. It's not only the immediate experience of frustration or the immediate experience of anxiety that is unpleasant. They also condition sensations in the body which are unpleasant. Now, all of the defilements are mental states. They're in the body themselves. There's no uh, unwholesomeness in the sense of wrong view, misunderstanding in the body. Defilements are all in the mind, but they condition unpleasant experiences in the body. The experiences of pain, stress, tension, ache, conditioned by state of mind. And you you can understand this you know, when, when, again, when you fall in love, when the mind is filled with love, the body is light and pleasant and subtle, feels great. And when the mind is filled with anger and rage, the body contracts, gets dense and heavy and tight. And you can see that the state of mind directly conditions how you feel in the body and the defilements are all uh, unwholesome or unskillful states of mind conditioning unpleasant experiences in the body. But let me also acknowledge that not all unpleasant experiences in the body are caused by the mind. If you're hungry, that's not caused by the mind, but it's really an unpleasant experience in the body. Or if you're really cold. That's a really unpleasant experience. Or if you put yourself through a particularly vigorous marathon or some other extreme physical uh, exertion, it's not because of the mind that you feel tight and tense and tired and exhausted and stressed. So not all physical unpleasantness is conditioned by the mind. But you can be sure that the torments, tormenting states of mind do condition unpleasant experiences. When any of the tormenting states of mind arise, it is as if they cast a spell over the mind, and that spell is their particular spin? You know, I talked about spin earlier today or yeah, in answer in answer to a question, how mindfulness stops the spin or sees through the spin that we put on experience. Delusion, ignorance, and any of the defilements puts their particular spin on the experience. And so they enchant the mind. They, they confuse the mind, they bewilder the mind in, the, in their direction, so that it, it all seems perfectly... You know, when you get angry at someone, you don't... I mean, often you feel pretty self-righteous, like you should be angry at them. It's a good thing to be angry at them. They're such a jerk, they should have said that. And We have a way of justifying, rationalizing, explaining the defilements to our own benefit. They are really, really smart, but they're not smarter than mindfulness. This enchantment or this dreamlike haze that we fall into or that we swoon into when overwhelmed by any of the torments, is a living, breathing, long-running hallucination. (laughs) I like that. Upandita first used the word hallucination to describe the power of the states of mind. Because when you're hallucinating, you think it's real, and it's not. But you don't know that, and it's really hard to find out otherwise. Now, the defilements, or these different states of mind, arise in different mm, strengths, different degrees. There's a gradient of uh, strength to the defilements. And the first, or maybe the grossest level of the defilement, or any of the defilements, is when you, you don't know that it's present, you don't recognize that it's harmful and you're acting it out in your speaking and acting and because you don't know that it's unskillful you don't know that it's causing you harm you don't even know that it's present in your mind you do it with a lot of interest, a lot of energy repeatedly with extreme delusion and take great delight in it that's as bad as it gets because. You don't have any second thoughts. You don't have any restraint. You don't care. You don't know. And you enjoy it. (laughs) Talk about the power of karma. You know, when we give a talk on karma, we talk about what makes a karmic act powerful. Repetition. The amount of intention. The amount of energy you put into it. And of course, whether it's wholesome or unwholesome makes a difference. But when you do that with the unwholesome states of mind, the torments, it makes for a powerful groove in the mind of unpleasantness, sure to be experienced as just a simmering or a chronic painfulness in your life or unpleasant, at least unpleasantness in your life. The second, um, well, let me just say that the transgressive defilements where we're acting them out in the world against others is confronted most effectively and certainly here in this situation by a commitment to and the practice of living in alignment with the precepts now the precepts the first five precepts that we've that we're all taking every day Are the antidote to transgressive defilements. Because if you're careful about speaking and how you treat others and not taking what's not offered and your sexual energy and and the use of intoxicants, you're not going to be too, you're not going to be acting out in a way that causes harm to others. And so those transgressive defilements are subdued through the practice of the precepts. But even though you may or we may be practicing the precepts and not acting out the transgressive defilements, the mind can still be obsessed with wanting to. (laughs) You know, it's like, I'm not saying what I want to, but the mind is saying it. You know, it's chattering away with all kinds of lust and aversion and fear and anxiety and frustration and disappointment, depression, not acting it out. The mind is still tormented. Okay. This is a well, it's actually a subtler level of the defilements, a subtler manifestation of the defilements, but it's still just as much suffering. Because that's really a lot of suffering. And it is awareness or mindful awareness that directly recognizes, and in the recognition of them there isn't the mindfulness of them breaks up the momentum of them they may reoccur in the next moment but if you're mindful of that moment it also pulls the plug on it it may reoccur again and if you're mindful of that it pulls the plug on it again and so gradually mindfulness saps the momentum of the obsessive defilements in the mind but Mindfulness alone or awareness alone does not have the power to uproot or to put those obsessing states of mind aside permanently, but only temporarily. And this is rather unfortunate because (laughs) we spend most of our time in practice right here. We develop mindfulness enough to see and to feel and to recognize the defilements, but not enough wisdom to let them go. And so we just see them with a magnified clarity and intensity as frequently as they arise. And it, it's confronting. It isn't until we practice vipassana effectively or at least partially effectively, that we're able to develop the wisdom to understand the defilements. Because these defilements, these tormenting states of mind, they lie in the mind as potential. They're not not there, they haven't sprouted yet, but it's as if our mind is full of seeds, full of seeds of wholesomeness, and unwholesomeness, and whenever there's a moment of non-awareness, an unwholesome seed sprouts. Think about that. Every moment there isn't mindfulness, an unwholesome seed sprouts, and that's a defilement of some sort or another. Hmm. It is through practicing Vipassana that we begin to understand the defilements, how they arise, what is their cause for arising, what are the conditions that support them, how to withstand them, how to see them to an end, how to understand their nature, their personal nature, their unique nature, and also their universal characteristics, that they're impermanent, they're unsatisfying, they're impersonal. This kind of knowledge only comes from practicing Vipassana. Even if you read it in a book, it isn't taking it in that way cognitively isn't powerful enough to uproot the defilements from the mind. We have to see them in action within our own mind stream. And that's why we encourage just this continuity throughout the day. The more continuous you are, the more tormenting states of mind you'll see. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> However, the more you see, the more you can work with them. That's the benefit of the continuity. Okay, so that's the right view. That's the first job as yogi for dealing with the defilements, how to understand these things. So from what I said, when confronted with, or when you're aware of any of these tormenting states of mind, What should you do? First, even though you recognize that it's unpleasant, it's habitual, it's powerful, it's really tormenting you, it is the opportunity to develop awareness and wisdom. Think of it that way rather than just trying to get rid of it or that it is indicative of your failure to be a good yogi. It's not a failure to be a good yogi. It's like you got to be somewhat aware to even see them. Good, okay, but now you got to be willing to engage them with more awareness and hopefully the insight to reveal an understanding of them. So the second job of a yogi after once having understood the right way of relating to the defilements is to establish awareness of them maybe the first and most important in some ways um, way of establishing awareness is to know and to recognize that these are uh, unwholesome states of mind. They're not just a kind of something you have to live with. They're visitor to the mind. They're unwholesome. They cause suffering. And while there are the main five hindrances: attachment, aversion, restlessness, sloth and torpor, and doubt, they manifest in more than a thousand different ways. Bummer. <laughs> But if we just work with the main five, we'll be dealing with most of them in a pretty um, comprehensive way. But even though we know what they are, and we can list them, disdain, fear, anxiety, frustration, disappointment, when we experience them ourselves, or when they have control of our mind or they've invaded and flooded our own mind, it's difficult to recognize them. It's really difficult to recognize when we're suffering and what the state of mind is that's causing the suffering. Isn't it? (laughs) We're so willing to delude ourselves into thinking we're happy and it's going well when in fact we're lost in some hallucination, long-running hallucination that's just causing us to feel miserable. So it really is important to... Recognize when you're feeling frustrated, when you're feeling miserable, when you're feeling struggle, when you're just feeling like it's not going well, to just stop for a minute and just ask yourself, what is going on? And try to get a sense of, try to feel what that state of mind feels like so that you can know that at least you're feeling it with awareness. Even if you don't recognize what it is yet, at least you know this is what it feels like. Because then you can begin to work with it, even if you don't know its name. If you don't know the difference between depression and despair or frustration and anticipation, well, if you keep recognizing how it feels, eventually you'll know its name. And to name a state of mind like that begins to take its power away. If you're unaware of it, or you're unconscious of it, or you don't recognize it, it has control of you. But as soon as you can get a name for it, or at least a clear recognition of what it feels like, you begin to take its power, or your awareness begins to take its power, and gain knowledge about it. The second, the first is to recognize the state of mind. The second is to relax. So often when we recognize that we're entangled in some suffering state of mind, we get anxious, we get fretful, we try to get rid of it, we get reactive to it. We're angry and we get angry that we're angry. We're we're caught in desire and we get angry that we're caught in desire. We feel depressed and we get more depressed that we're depressed. Really, we should say, wait a minute, I'm suffering, relax. <laughs> it's like, don't push it. Don't try to get rid of it, don't push it that way, making more, more pressure in the mind. But be willing to acknowledge it, to accept, oh, this, as Carol said uh, the last night, oh, this is the way things have come to be. It's not the way things are forever, but it's the way things are, for me, for now. And it's important to understand that it is just for now. Because it's just a visitor to the mind. And with that, we can say, okay, it's just visiting. Let me just keep an eye on it while it's here, visiting. Hmm? As Sayedu Tejaniya says, the mind is not yours, but you're responsible for it. Visitors come into the mind. When they do, if you had an unwelcome visitor come into your house, you've got to take care of it, right? Same with these unwelcome visitors to the mind. To try to get rid of the torment, to try to get rid of this mental state by struggling with it, condemning it, hating it, only strengthens it. To deny it, to minimize it, to avoid it, to struggle with it, only makes it stronger so we have to accept or I should say acknowledge and thereby accept that it's present for now and with that we can begin to be mindful of it as it really is one of the um, one of the causes and conditions for the arising of any defilement is unwise attention So the antidote to the arising of any defilement is wise attention. And wise attention is this kind of relaxed, open, careful, non-manipulative, non-strategic, just paying attention. What is going on? This is what it is. This is what it is. This is how it is. This is what it feels like. This is what it looks like. This is how it acts. You're not trying to get rid of it. You're not trying to judge it. You're not trying to shame yourself for having it. You just see, oh, this is the way it is. That's wise attention. So once we recognize the state of mind and we relax around any potential reaction to it, then we want to exercise some intelligent reflection. Okay, we've recognized it, we've relaxed. Now what are we gonna do with this thing? And the first thing to do is to know that we can use wholesome, skillful thoughts to support our practice of being aware of unwholesome, unskillful thoughts. And the way to do that is to say, okay, look, the mind is flooded with aversion. What's the best way to deal with this? Well, first, Don't act it out. Okay, that's a wholesome thought. Let me remember, don't act out this state of mind. Just because you feel sleepy doesn't mean go take a nap. Just because you feel angry and irritated about something doesn't mean you should write a note. Just because you feel desirous doesn't mean you should go get a second. Did we have dessert today? I can't remember. Okay, so. (laughs) Maybe it's tomorrow, <laughs> but to exercise some restraint in in knowing that these defilements—they it's like they want to be acted out because you know when you when you get angry and you just blurt it out to somebody ah there you feel relief you think you've gotten rid of it you've dumped it on somebody else but actually you've just planted a healthier seed in your own mind. Don't be fooled by the the impulsion to act out these unwholesome states of mind but understand the wisdom of exercising some restraint this is using your intelligence in dealing with these habitual states of mind and then the fourth step in working with any of these the first is to recognize the second is to relax the third is to exercise some restraint and the fourth step in working with any of these states of mind is to reframe your understanding. Quite naturally, but wrongly, the wrong view of these defiled states of mind arises. And we think, I've got to get rid of this. I'm not a good yogi. Because they've arisen, I must not be practicing correctly. All of those are wrong views. And so we need to reframe our, under, our misunderstanding. Oh, these have arisen due to causes and conditions that are beyond my control. That's right. They can be worked with with mindfulness. That's also right. It's only because there is some awareness that I'm able to see it now. That's also right view. And when you reframe all of your wrong assumptions with a right view, then there's encouragement, there's a reason to engage, there's a reason to make effort to be aware of these states of mind. Because we understand that it's mindfulness that sees them, it's awareness that can stay with them, and it's wisdom that will result and eventually understand them. Saito Itajaniya says, Try to recognize that defilements are simply defilements, that they are not your defilement. Every time you identify yourself with them or reject them, you're only increasing the strength of them. The wandering mind is not a problem. Your attitude that it should not be wandering is the problem. The object really isn't that important, but how you view it is. So the mind wanders. The mind goes off in la-la-land and it's da, da 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 Is that a problem? Not a problem. It's because you don't like it or you don't think it should be wandering or you think that somehow the mind shouldn't wander like that. That's the problem. This is the way it is for now, for you. Thoughts are just thoughts. Feelings are just feelings. Yogis make the mistake of expecting or hoping for good experience rather than being willing and trying to work with the defilements. Got a question for you. Did you come to the retreat thinking, oh, geez, I hope I have a good retreat. I hope I have a lot of calmness and not too much pain in the body and restlessness and that I just, I hope it's really good. Or did you come thinking, Boy, I'm really good. I'm, I'm really determined. I'm going to work with all those unpleasant defilements that arise. I hope I see them all. I really want to get a handle on working with them. Now, be honest. The first, how many of us thought like the first? Mm. How many of us thought like the second? Mm. It's true. We, we don't come to retreats thinking, oh, boy, I've got nine days of confronting those unpleasant states of mind. Okay, now that we've recognized, we've relaxed, we've um, exercised some restraint, we've reframed our understanding, now we have to develop awareness of them. And what does awareness do but it reveals the nature of these defilements? Every one of these mental states, these tormenting mental states, has its own unique characteristic. It feels different in the mind. Fear is different than frustration. Frustration is different than greed. Greed is different than jealousy. Jealousy is different than envy. They're all different. But it is awareness or mindfulness that will show us what the taste of each of these states of mind really is. And not only the taste of it, but it will show us what are the causes and conditions that give rise to it. Each of them have their own little tripwire. That's why it's so important in your practice to be as continuous as possible because we can see, too, bit by bit, by bit, by bit, the causes and conditions for the arising of some defilement come into, come into view. And when we see them coming into view and then we see the result, oh, because of this, this, this and this, anger has arisen. Then we have some knowledge, we have some understanding. We understand the nature of this defilement. Mm -hmm. This is how it gets established in the mind. And when we see those causes in the future coming up, coming into place, we know what's coming. And we can stop it right there before We get invaded or flooded by it. But if we don't pay attention to the causes and conditions that precede the arrival of this unwholesome state of mind, we don't learn anything. We're just still victimized by it. It's like we think it's an accident that we're frustrated or that we're confused or that we're bewildered or angry. It's not an accident. It is a natural result of causes and conditions. Awareness will reveal those causes and conditions. And when they do, you have an understanding, and an insightful understanding, that really can see and let go of the causes and conditions, not get identified with them, and thereby prevent the defilement from arising. It is this insight that realizes, or this this awareness that leads to the insight, that realizes that these defilements don't arise full-blown in the mind. They are constructed out of causes and conditions. They display the anatta characteristic. That's the anatta, the the non-self characteristic. They are impersonal. They don't have any essence of themselves. They're just put together by Bits and pieces, unwise attention, a little bit of do 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 do, and then they arise. If you pay attention, you will understand what they are. Not only do they display the anatta characteristic or are they impersonal, they're also all impermanent. They may come and they may be strong, but they don't last. If you can sustain The awareness to the extent that you can sustain awareness you will begin to see that these states of mind don't last very long and once you see once you're you're, once you're caught in, in any of these states of mind and you just bear with it and you bear with it and you put up with it and you feel it and you're with it and you're with it and with it until it disappears until it dissolves until your, the, the awareness sees through it. And when you do, it's like you have a knowledge, you have an insightful, wise knowledge that you can't get any other way. You now know they don't last. Now, I'm telling you they don't last. You know they don't last, but you have to see it. You have to see it over and over again so that you'll never be fooled by it again. When it arises, you know this doesn't last. You won't believe it. The story doesn't get its grip on you, and it's easy to bear with. But if you think this is the way I am, I am a fearful person. I am a depressed person. Very difficult to understand or to believe that they're impermanent. Haven't seen it. Can't rely on that. Can't rely on that wisdom because we haven't seen it. But when you see it over and over and over again, then you can rely on that. So it is the awareness that reveals the unique characteristics and it is insight that realizes the universal characteristics of these states of mind. And with that insight that realizes the impermanent, unsatisfactory and the impersonal characteristic of these states of mind, we really begin to be skillful in working with them. They may still arise, but because of the power of the mindfulness and because of the degree of realization, they don't last long and they don't beat you up quite as bad. They don't rise as often and when they do arise, they don't last as long. That's relief. That's the beginning of the end of suffering. And that's what mindful awareness does for us to these tormenting states of mind. Frees us from their grip. In time, it frees us from their grip. So all of the suffering that you've experienced today or at any other time in your life, caused by one of these states of mind that got its grip in the mind and we were unable to understand it, unable to work with it, unable to exercise restraint, didn't understand it, didn't see it, couldn't be aware of it. But now that you've heard, now that you're practicing, take the opportunity every time any of these defilements arise to learn out of curiosity, out of an understanding that it is through awareness of them that we're going to come to understand them and eventually not only suppress them in the mind, but uproot them from the mind because they can be uprooted from the mind. Imagine, imagine you uproot the seeds of doubt from your mind whatever causes you to have any doubt those seeds gone never to be experienced again or take aversion the seeds of aversion can be uprooted from the mind before they sprout no more aversion ever is it worth your effort That's the benefit of practice. That's the benefit of awareness. That's the benefit of insight. And that's what we're doing. Practicing in such a way as to come to understand these tormenting states of mind. In order to understand the defilements, Sayadaw Utejaniya says, you have to watch them again and again. What can you gain from just having or expecting good experiences? If you understand the nature of the defilements, they will dissolve. And once you're able to handle the defilements, good experiences will naturally follow. Most yogis make the mistake of expecting good experiences instead of trying to work with the defilements. Good luck. (laughs) It's work. But it's work that is beneficial. And that is the job of... The yogi the job of the yogi is to understand these defilements to establish awareness of them and to learn to endure them to to learn to endure them mindfully be willing to engage them with awareness every time they arise I was just reading uh, an excerpt of um, an article that's going to come out in one of the I think Buddha Dharma magazine here, the next issue, and it's on the hindrances, the obstacles to practice, and one of the panelists was saying, our path of practice is nothing but working with these states of mind, the obstructions, and so plan on it, plan on it, you know, the bennies, the the spiritual goodies that come, they do, they will, but there's a lot of prep work in working with the defilements, working with the torments to get there. So be willing and approach them with interest, with uh, an understanding that they can be worked with, and that we can get the upper hand on them, and that they can be uh, uprooted from the mind. Because when you understand that, when you aspire, aspire to that understanding and you make the effort in the time of their arising, you will get the result. It's not because you're, you're doing something special. It's because those are the causes and conditions for the removal of the defilements. So we're cultivating the causes and conditions that prevent the defilements from arising. And one of those is right understanding, right effort, right aspiration, right awareness, or skillful awareness. These are the causes and conditions that prevent these torments of the mind from arising and eventually uproot them from the mind. It can be done. It's our choice. That's why we're here, to practice in this way. So let's sit for a moment, let the words quiet down. Again, Saito Tejaniya's comments about the defilements, he says, Always remember that it is not you who removes the defilements. Wisdom does that job. When you're continuously aware, wisdom unfolds naturally. Thank you very much for listening to the talk. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.